Hi there. Uh, glad you are listening. Uh, I'm excited about today's show. Uh, I had a chance to talk with uh, Ken Wesley, who is a third year veterinary student um, at Florida. And we talked about uh, a recent article in JAVMA called Pet Owner's Knowledge of and Attitudes Towards the Judicious Use of Antimicrobials for Companion Animals. And um, the link to that article is available um, on, our, uh, on our Twitter, uh, which is at Vet Journal Club. Um, you can also uh, leave comments there if there's feedback you want to give or questions you have or something you'd like us to discuss further. Um, so please uh, go ahead and use that. Uh, we also have our Instagram account, which is another opportunity for you to leave comments or, or to start a discussion. Uh, I hope you enjoy today's discussion. Welcome to uh, Veterinary Journal Club. I'm excited um, about today's. We are going to be um, doing some actual journal discussions again, and I have with me a third-year veterinary student here at the University of Florida, uh, Ken Wesley. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and so um, the one of the articles... Um, that you wanted to discuss is from a recent issue of JAVMA, the Journal of Aver American Veterinary Medical Association. Um, and it is by Laurel Redding and Stephen Cole. And I'm, I'm really excited about this one. The, the title alone kind of hooked me. Um, and it's called Pet Owner's Knowledge of and Attitudes Toward the Judicious Use of Antimicrobials for Companion Animals. And so anyone who's worked with me knows that this is something I feel pretty passionately about, um, is being responsible when we're prescribing antibiotics. And one of the, I think, hesitations that a lot of veterinarians have when it comes to do I prescribe or not is worrying, like, what are the owners? The owners are going to want something. They came here, they paid me money so I could examine their pet, and if I don't give them something, they're going to be upset. Um, that, that's one of the attitudes. That's one of the refrains I hear commonly from students, from interns, residents, and other veterinarians. And so um, this study kind of gets at the heart of that. So, um, so Ken, why don't you um, kind of tell me a little bit about like what drew you to the article um, and, and maybe your overview of what they did? Yeah, so this study um, was really interesting in that it looked at uh, many different vet clinics um, in different demographics from different socioeconomic statuses of high, intermediate, and low. I thought that by analyzing from a qualitative perspective was interesting um, because hearing from the owners is really important and lots of times we don't um, we don't hear from them and we don't know exactly what they're thinking when we're prescribing these medications so to actually have that information written down in a paper kind of organizes where um, they're coming from and by knowing more about our clients and and their perspectives it then kind of allows us to kind of gear our um, communication and education towards uh, helping their animals and help and working towards kind of what this antimicrobial stewardship and and preventing that resistance. Yeah, like I think we make a lot of assumptions about what our, we think our clients want or think or feel, and it's actually, it turns out, not that hard to just ask them, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of what they did here, right? Like they just said, like you said, they got different groups of people and tried to um, cover different socioeconomic um, groups. 
to get, you know, so they weren't getting too much bias. Um, and so this is um, this type of research is maybe a little bit different than what um, veterinarians are used to reading about in that it's a little bit more of a qualitative approach. Um, uh, I, I was very impressed. I thought that they did a, a really nice job in how they organized it. Um, and so for people who aren't familiar with these types of um, studies might look at that and say, well, they only talked to 25 people um, in three different clinics and, and be like, well, is that even enough? But they, um, unlike in typical scientific studies where we say we're going to do a power analysis to see, you know, how many animals do we need to see to find a difference, um, that, that's not really what you need to do here. So um, do you remember what they said when they talked about in their methods, like how, how they got to 25 or why they ended up at 25? Do you remember what they yeah, said? Yeah, there, there were some um, clients who didn't remember using an antimicrobial mm -hmm. or, um, uh, yeah, they, they just had never... Yeah, so they, they kind of group people based on their prior experience with giving antibiotics to pets, right? Like, have you ever done this before? Multiple times, and so they lump them that way. Um, but what they do, and they had their, their survey where they went through and asked people questions, and then they sort of categorize people's answers by themes, and, and they talk about that in one of the appendices. Um, and when they, they feel like they have saturation, um, that's kind of a, a, a typical term that gets used in, in these types of studies. When we feel like, all right, we're starting to get repeated answers, we're starting to see the same kinds of things, we're, we probably can stop getting more surveys, right? Um, so they felt like they had gotten that um, at about 25 respondents, and they had a pretty, a pretty good and even spread amongst the three, um, you know, what they presumed socioeconomic statuses. And I think their methods made sense there. They chose, you know, the, the low-cost clinic, the, the regular clinic, and then the, the tertiary high-end clinic. So you're, you're selecting for those types of, um, types of clients. And it, I think when you look at their responses, that it made sense. So, yeah, so they, they can say, all right, we're, we're pretty good. We got enough, and, and we feel like this is a pretty representative sample. Um, so what, um, you know, kind of what did you get out of their results? Well, I think one thing that was actually really positive from this is that a lot of a lot of clients really trusted their veterinarian um, to make the correct decision. So this kind of points to that um, that strong like relationship that we have with our clients and that if we provide them the appropriate information, then hopefully they'll listen to us and yeah. they'll, they'll listen to um, the recommendations we're giving regarding antimicrobials. Um, I think it was also interesting not to necessarily make assumptions regarding people's yeah. financial um, abilities or, or their status. Yeah, like what they're status. willing to do or not. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can kind of, it that there was also more discussion about um, providing or offering uh, microbial cultures and antibiotic or um, susceptibility testing. Um, and we can provide those diagnostics so we can you know, prevent the resistance of it. Yeah, most clients were very much in favor of, of doing um, additional testing to confirm things. And when they, when they didn't want to, it usually was financial, you know, financially motivated. So it wasn't that they said, well, pff, we don't even understand the importance of that. Like, we do, we're just, I'm having to make, you know, difficult choices about the finances here. And so, um, so I think that was also um, really telling, like you said, the, the big thing, and, and I think this is what the authors kind of um, tried to promote was like, your clients trust you, they do. Um, and so you can make appropriate recommendations. And even if that's kind of going against what the owner's expectations were about, I need to get a treatment or something like that. At the end of the day, they say, well, you went to vet school and I didn't. And, and th there were some actual quotes in there um, when you looked at the supplemental material. I'm gonna see if I can't pull that up so we can, we can 
get some of those direct quotes, but um, I think it was, it was very, for me, very heartening. And it also um, kind of jived well with my own personal experience um, working with clients that if you establish that trust with them and you discuss with them, here's, here's what I think and here's why, um, that good news I, I don't have to prescribe an antibiotic in this situation, and here are the reasons why I don't think that's necessary. Um, most people are actually totally okay with that. Um, uh, and But we have to take a little bit of time to maybe uh, build that trust with them. That doesn't take years. I, I mean, as an emergency doctor, I don't get years to build um, you know, a, a relationship with a client before I have to establish that um, and to try to gain their trust. I, I have a few minutes to do that, but I, I find that I can usually do that. I'm not saying 100% of the time, and um, sometimes you know, clients are, are going to be more resistant than others, um, pun intended. Um, <laughs> but um, but I, I find that if I do take the time and say, I care that you understand why I'm doing this. I'm not dismissing your concerns. I, I believe that your cat has an illness. I just don't think it's an illness that requires antibiotics to treat. Um, and here's what we're going to do about it. Also, I'm not so um, you know, determined that this is the one right way that I can't be swayed differently if we get new information that says differently or if this plan doesn't work over time. If over time we look back and say, this isn't working, we might have to adjust the plan. So these are the circumstances in which I would be willing to change the plan. Um, so I, I think that for me, you know, the results of this study were very much in line with, with my experience as a practitioner. Um, and also just, like I said, really, really heartening. Um, but I, I loved, um, I love their methods. I think the, the, um, survey that they use to try to, you know, get a little bit of background from people. Um, you know, what is, what is their prior experience on using antibiotics in pets? Um, you know, do you do you always follow the instructions? Now that part I was a little bit surprised by the by the answers and and I wonder um, I don't know do you remember what uh, what they got when they asked people like do you always follow the vet's instructions? Yeah, there were um, there was a good I don't know what percent but there were a good amount of people who were saying that they were always did exactly what the veterinarian pers um, prescribed. However, the the interviews were actually done in the veterinary clinic that yeah. they went to, and so there could be some bias there. Yeah, that, I mean, nobody know. wants to come out here and be like, yeah, no, I totally disregard what the vet says. Like, yeah. you know, you, you have people who are either veterinarians or working in the veterinary field who are asking you point blank, and and so is it possible that some people weren't completely truthful? Maybe. The, the other thing, like, people might actually think they're doing exactly what the veterinarian said, but maybe there was a misunderstanding, too. So that's that's a, another potential thing that this survey couldn't have sorted out um, in what they were doing. Um, but that sometimes is a reason for non-compliance. It's not that clients weren't intending to be compliant. It's that they just didn't really understand, um, you know, what happened. But there were some people who were honest yeah. and were like, oh, uh, yeah. And there are other, there are other challenges, I mean, yeah. like they said about pilling their cat and things like that. So there are other things that can go along with um, not, that have nothing to do with necessarily specifically the, the antimicrobial, but just giving a drug itself. Yeah, and anybody who's ever pilled a cat knows that it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, And cats are really good at you know not doing it. And some dogs are really good at pretending like they swallowed a pill and then later you find it on the floor. Yeah. So like they do that to us. I know they do that to, to you know, their people as well. So, um, but in, in general, um, you know, I think even... I mean, even if maybe some of the people in this survey weren't completely truthful about how compliant they are, they clearly understand the importance of it. Like, they, they want to be. And if we take that time to explain to them, um, you know, how important it is to complete this, um, uh, this antimicrobial regimen um, or that, hey, if 
you have any left over, because maybe you dispensed a liquid or a, an ointment or something, that don't keep this or don't just reuse that the next time, because that was that's always the thing that bothers me. Is like, oh, I just had some leftover. Like, I just had some cephalexin at home, so I went ahead and treated. And it was like, yeah. well, one, why did you have any leftover? <laughs> that that should be. And two, this wasn't the right time to use that. So, um, you know, if we if we take a little bit of time to kind of talk to people about that, I think um, that's that's pretty important. Um, the other thing they did at the the survey, two of the questions they asked, well, I guess depending on whether or not they had a dog or a cat, um, they kind of presented them with a, a um, theoretical scenario. Like if your dog turned up positive for a condition such as Lyme disease, which is caused by a bacterium, um, but evidence suggests that it's maybe really not beneficial to treat them with antibiotics for all these reasons if, under these circumstances. Would you feel comfortable with that? Or would you want, you know, the vet to give your pet antibiotics? Or for the cats, you know, the classic like idiopathic cystitis situation where most of them aren't caused by um, a bacterial infection, like would you want your cat to get antibiotics? And this is, this is the crux of it for me is most of the people that were surveyed here were like, yeah, I think I still would. Um, However, if then presented with information that was, well, actually, there, there's information that suggests that isn't supported, like that we, we shouldn't do that. They were like, most of them were then like, okay, all right, I'd be more okay with it. So again, I think it comes down to that like client education aspect of it. Um, and so I think this, this study did a really nice job of, of digging a little bit deeper um, and kind of putting them in the situation of, okay, well, what about in this not so clear cut situation? What, you know, what do you think you could do where, um, you know, maybe the results of a culture aren't going to be that clear cut, or maybe we already have evidence of, you know, positive antibody titers for an infection that maybe the dog got exposed to years before and antibiotics might not make a difference. Um, so I thought that was, I thought that was pretty great. The other things, um, they just asked people like their understanding about what is an antibiotic. Yeah, and I think, I think that that was really interesting to me yeah. that we just, we use these terms, antibiotic, mm -hmm. antimicrobial, antibiotic resistance, that we don't even, people didn't even know what these terms meant and what yeah. they necessarily were treating for. Yeah. And we use these terms every day yep. and, you know, we see it in the news and stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people know the exact definition of what we're treating for. So I think that was helpful also. And I think it's also not to, to shame anyone. Yep. I think it's more about that. We really need to educate yep. people about the, about what we're treating for. And so some of like, for instance, some people thought that an antibiotic was like, for an allergy and, yeah. and antibiotic resistance was when the drug just wasn't working against the animal. Right. Like the animal has become resistant yeah. to the drug and it's like, no, 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 this yeah. is the bacteria. But yeah. again, and, and you can understand how those types of um, concepts come about. And we, that's another assumption that we make is that when we're talking to somebody, they, they understand what we're saying and they might understand the words that we're saying, but there's so much conceptual knowledge that's attached to that, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, again, I'm not saying we have to have like mini seminars every time we talk to them. I, like you said at the very beginning, they trust us. They, un, most of our clients understand that we know this way better than they're going to. Um, and so we need to leverage that trust and, and say, hey, you know, and, and we can, and they, they expect us to. They, they, they want to trust us. Um, they do trust us. And we should, we should definitely say, well, then we need to do the best thing, not worry that if I recommend this thing that is the best, is there, are they going to be upset? Are they going to be frustrated? Yeah. And one of the quotes, I can't find it now, but one of the quotes from one of the respondents was, um, it was really good. It was something to the effect of, 
well, I don't ask my vet about driving a truck. So, yeah. you know, and she doesn't ask me about being a vet. Like, I understand. I have I have stuff that I'm good at. This is my wheelhouse and that's that's their wheelhouse. And um, I think we do all understand that intrinsically that, um, you know, there's a lot of things I am not the expert in. Um, and so I rely on other people to, um, you know, give me the best information or give me the best advice on that. And our, our clients are the same. Yeah. I was curious what you thought about the delayed prescription? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. So they, they didn't go into it too much, um, in depth on this, but the delayed prescribing, um, is an option where like a, a pet comes in and you say, well, I don't know for sure if this is caused by a bacterial infection. Um, and I'm, ho- I think it will probably be cleared on its own, but I know how hard it is to come back in or what a pain that would be to get a prescription later. So I'm going to send you with a written prescription that if your pet's not better in a couple of days, you can get it filled and try it then. Um, and that is one method for potentially reducing um, unnecessary prescribing of antibiotics. There's a danger in that, of course, um, because now you're relying on the client to make that judgment. Um, and I think for me, it depends on the relationship that you have with that client. Um, is this um, is this a client that you're like, I know them, I trust them. If they call me in a couple of days and we have a discussion about it, and then I say, yeah, no, go ahead and get that filled, I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, again, in my line, I rarely get um, you know to to, bu- to build a relationship like that with clients, and so that's rarely going to be something I feel comfortable with. What I will tell people though is, okay, here's what's going on today. Here's what I think. I think it's most likely not caused by a bacterial infection, or or maybe it's like a, a like a wound or something that I feel like I cleaned up pretty well, um, and it's unlikely to need antibiotics because like you scraped yourself. I scrape myself all the time, and I don't take antibiotics, um, so I clean this up, and I don't think it needs antibiotics. However, in a couple of days, if it starts to look like this, call me and then I can prescribe something. So I, I think for me, I would conceptually, I'm fine with that. But rather than sending somebody with a prescription, I would say, call me in a couple days and then I can get you one because I can call in a prescription. Or exactly. I, so I would, I would tweak that just a little bit. Okay. So rather than sending them with a prescription in their hand and leaving them 100% to decide if that should be filled, I want to be part of the conversation. Not that okay. they have to come back in for a, an exam, although maybe on the phone they give me something and I go, ooh, that actually is really worrisome. I think you need to come back in. Um, so that's my only concern with just sending them that day with a prescription is that I feel a little bit like I'm abandoning them to make all the decisions on their on their <laughs> own, where I would much rather say, call me in a couple of days, we'll discuss how things are doing. And if it's not better, this would be my plan. So that's my personal tweaking of that um, to say, hey, here are the circances where I would prescribe antibiotics later, even even if we don't know for sure. Um, yeah, but just I, really I just want to be part of it. That was just really interesting to me because... We never talked about that in class. Or yeah, anything, so. it's. I don't know um, if it's, is it a newer concept? Uh, it, I mean, it's talked about more. It's certainly something that is coming up as a way to reduce prescribing because a lot of people will say, "Oh, she's better. Cool. I'm not going to spend money on a prescription, um, and I, I'm not going to, um, you know, have to shove pills down my cat's throat because that's terrible." Um, so most people will say, "Great," but then, and you can have a. a, a an expiration on that prescription, right? So you just say, after five days, this is no longer good, and then hope that the pharmacist pays attention to that. <laughs> um, but um, so I think you do, if you're going to go that route, you have to be careful that this isn't like carte blanche, you can just fill this whenever you want, um, because those ki- kinds of situations make me a little bit nervous as well. Because um, I do, I worry about this. Like, we, we're we running out of antibiotics. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's a real thing. Yeah, like, and one... It was interesting. It was only one person out of the survey, but they didn't believe in antibiotic resistance in superbugs, yeah. which was, I mean... But that's one in 25, one in 25 people. Yeah. 
That's a lot of people when you multiply that by the population. Yeah, Yeah, 4%. Now, is that truly representative? I don't know. But the fact that you surveyed 25 people and you found somebody was like, meh, this this is a hoax. Ah, it's not. It's a real thing. This is super scary. And yeah, yeah, I mean, that's it's one of my like jokes, not jokes that I'm like that. I'm going to one day be on my deathbed dying of a resistant infection. I'm going to be cursing all of my residents and students over the years. I told you. (laughs) Yeah. And I think Um, also the discussion about the interspecies transmission is really interesting. Yeah. um, Which people don't think they think, oh, this is, this is my dog or this is my cat and I'm a human. And those totally microbes different. and bacteria don't have any relationship between those like, species, no. but those bugs don't have any boundaries. They don't care. They don't care. <laughs> They'll yeah. just jump on. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, so and not that we want to be alarmists and freak people out, but um, uh, again, I think like, what you said at the beginning is they trust us. Use that, um, you know, take a little bit of time to explain your, your side. Um, but I think it was a really heartening. And, and again, it really, I'm really glad they did this study. I think they did a, a fantastic job with it. And I hope lots and lots of people read it and, um, and sort of incorporate some of the, the things we learned into their practice. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited you picked this one. I think it was a, a great article and, and, and a wonderful topic. And hopefully we'll have opportunities to talk about it some more. Um, so thank you, Ken, for being here. Thank um, you so it much. It was really exciting to talk about this. And um, hopefully you'll be able to come back. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's show. I'd like to thank my producer, Topher. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter or Instagram at Vet Journal Club. All episodes are available at veterinaryjournalclub.fireside.fm. You can email us with questions, comments, or show ideas at veterinaryjournalclub at gmail.com. And check back weekly for new episodes, and we'll catch you next time.